Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Um, we're going to be right back with today's guest. But uh, first, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, so don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us. Uh, only take about four minutes. We want to say thanks to Home Campus for their support. Home Campus is the exclusive high school and state association management platform for the podcast. And Home Campus is also your one-stop platform for, for scheduling for student-athlete eligibility and clearance, state association connecting, and so much more. As a high school AD, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just fantastic. And the Home Campus team was fantastic to work with, too. To find out all the things that they can do for you, go to home-campus.com. That's home-campus.com. Check them out today. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com. Change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches, they loved it as much as I do. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms, Snap Connect, Snap Manage, Snap Store, and Snap Raise, their fundraising platform. We use Snap Raise with great success, and you can too. They even have a program where you can get your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. Go to snapraise.com to find out more. We also want to say thank you to Gipper. Go to gipper.com. Start creating custom content for your school's social media channel. Mention the podcast and you'll get 10% off. That's gipper.com. We want to thank our good friends at Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. Their mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. The Wall of Fame is actually an interactive touchscreen video console that's going to highlight your school's best performances, both academic and athletic, um, along with showcasing your school's diverse history and your top role models. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com, check out their great products, then use the link vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake, and you'll get a nice discount. Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Check them out today. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to sell tickets for your events, how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you'll have a dedicated client success manager providing hands-on support. To get started, go to hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to District 1, that's W-O-N, and you're going to feel like you've won when you go to district1.com because they offer you fully custom premium uniforms, on-time delivery in 20 days or less, and you can uh, order just one or two pieces so you'll never have to order a full set when you only need to replace one or two. Go to district1.com, that's W-O-N. Click the team gear button for your free quote. We want to thank Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule a live web demo, 
see their tables and their boards in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Table. Check it out today, sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Go to athleticsurveys.com and let them show you how they can create a custom survey for your school that's going to connect you with the 2% who want to complain and the 98% who really love and support your program. And that's incredibly valuable data to have when you're talking to that frustrated parent or your school board or your principal. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you take your program from good to great. Athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. We've got a really cool show for you today. Uh, Actually, two guests. We're visiting with uh, a couple of great folks from our state association, the Florida High School Athletic Association. Uh, In no particular order, we have Jeremy Hernandez, who is the director of officials for the FHSAA. And we also have Scott Jameson, who is the associate executive director for athletic services. It's my pleasure to work with both of them as an athletic director and I guess with Jeremy as still uh, as an official. Um, So gentlemen, uh, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you for having us, Jake. Appreciate it, Jake. Thank you very much. No, uh, a few months ago, we had the executive director, uh, Craig Damon, on, and uh, Craig shared his story, shared a lot about the FHSAA. Um, So I'm excited to have this opportunity to uh, have you share what you guys do with FHSAA and and why it's important for uh, not just athletic directors here in Florida, but uh, across the country. So let's go and jump right in. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests a little bit. So, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. Give us that um, uh, bio, uh, where you were born, where you grew up. Maybe take us up through the high school and college years. Then we'll take a quick break and uh, let uh, Scott do the same thing. But what's the Jeremy Hernandez origin story? All right. Thank you, Jake, for having us again. Appreciate that. Uh, I was born and raised in a little town in uh, New Mexico, uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico, Uh, attended high school there as well, played football, uh, baseball, ran track and field. Uh, So I was always around uh, athletics. Uh, My dad was a coach. Uh, I was out on the baseball field pretty much right after uh, I was born. Um, And so I've always been around a field, uh, a diamond, uh, a track um, growing up. Um, once I graduated from high school, uh, I went to the University of New Mexico. Uh, I continued my uh, collegiate career uh, uh, in football for a couple years uh, before deciding I was uh, tired of taking a beating uh, on the football field and, and uh, went a different path and, and uh, started working just like the rest of us are uh, these days. So um Got an internship there uh, as I finished uh, my schooling. And then my final year, I started at the New Mexico Activities Association, which is similar to Florida High School Athletic Association here in Florida, just there in New Mexico. Uh, So I started there as an intern, um, uh, worked there 10 years uh, before moving out here to Florida uh, in 2016 uh, when I was hired on here. And um, 
I've been here for now seven years, uh, come October, come September. Um, and uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, cross country move. Like I said, I was born and raised in New Mexico. So it was the first time living outside of uh, New Mexico. So it's kind of a culture shock a little bit, uh, but the family took it well. Uh, the boys are excited. I have two uh, younger boys, a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Uh, the oldest is a hockey player. Uh, the ice hockey, that is, not field hockey. So got make that clarification since we are in Florida. And the youngest plays soccer. And I have a wife um, as well. So we made the move out here. And uh, we, we've, been, we've loved it. All right, I got a couple of questions. Let's go back to uh, your New Mexico days. Um, what are, um, and I'm sure there are a couple, at least I hope there are, what are some experiences from your days as an athlete? Uh, you mentioned you played different sports that you can see now years later um, having a, an impact on you and the way that you uh, you know, work with people or, or you approach athletics, uh, anything from your playing days stick out for you? I think for me, just knowing, um, and I mean, a lot of us are in the same boat, just knowing that camaraderie you have on the field with, with your, uh, teammates and the lifelong friends that, that you build and create and, um, just the experience that a state association brings, whether you're, um, making it to deep in state playoffs or just the ability to play regular season games, just having an organization that's there and gives those abilities um, to, to athletes as, as they progress through, through their school, uh, their schooling. Um, it, it's probably the biggest and it always resonates in me when we're making a decision or have to make a tough call. like, man, if I was still that student athlete, like, how would I think of having a ruling like that? Or, and I, everyone know, hopefully a lot of individuals know, I send out a lot of the ejection letters. And so um, when we meet the, the corrective action team, when we meet and, and go through those, it's tough. Like we'll, we'll sit in battle for hour, two hours, depending on how many we have, just because we know what we're about to send out is going to affect them for quite some time possibly. So we don't take it lightly and we we take that part of the job extremely seriously because we know that those are going to be games that that student athletes not going to get back. And, and so um, that's probably the toughest part of the job is uh, when I have to send out those, those letters to, to the schools um, informing them of whether it's a coach or, or a student athlete that they're going to have to miss a certain amount of games because of a decision in the, the heat of the moment that probably wouldn't have been done if we were just talking one-on-one -on -one or under different circumstances. So um, as a student athlete in New Mexico and then now working in Florida, though, that would probably be what translates just knowing that um, those are tough decisions that we have to make. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, uh, that, you know, the people at FHSA, they, they've got that perspective um, as players, as coaches, as ADs in many cases. Uh, I can imagine those would be tough letters to write. Okay, my other question is, you're living in Gainesville. Hockey? Okay, where, where did that come from? So um, my previous supervisor uh, in New Mexico, Dana Pappas, she's now with the National Feder National Federation. Uh, her and her husband are huge Blackhawk fans. Um, and so as my oldest was younger, 
Um, they're always getting in Blackhawk gear and apparel and things like that. Um, and in one of the nearby sports complex, I played in adult flag football league and on the opposite side, they had an ice arena. So he would occasionally see hockey players coming in and out and, um, doing their thing or whatever. And one Sunday after a game, we're walking out and he peeks in the ice rink and he says, dad, I want to play hockey. And so my first thought is like, you have to learn how to ice skate first. You can't just throw on a pair of cleats and go out and run routes and catch a football. Like you have to learn a skill before you can even play the sport. So um, from that day on, we put him in uh learn to skate classes. Um, and now he's on the rec select teams and playing on two different, two, three different teams. That's uh, in some points during the year and having a field day. We just wrapped up this past season uh, with the Memorial Day tournament down in Clearwater. Um, the closest rink for us is either in Jacksonville or Wesley Chapel. So um, it's travel hockey for us all the time. There's no local, uh, uh, nothing local here in Gainesville. So uh, he, he takes care of uh, business in the classroom. Um, he was actually, as a seventh grader, wind out the year now, he was uh, selected as student of the year. So um, he's taking care of business uh, at school, and that's what we've asked. So um, we continue to let him enjoy a sport that he loves. All right. Well, again, uh, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, so uh, great sport. I'm glad he's found something that he loves. Scott, let's go ahead and uh, give you a chance, uh, sure. you know, give our listeners an opportunity to find out, uh, you know, where you came from and where you grew up. So what's the Scott Jamison story? Sure. Um, <clears throat> and, and forgive me, I'm getting over a cold here. So my voice is a little, um, a little shot, but I should be okay. Um, I, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, um, down south of Tampa, and uh, I went to um, St. Pete High for a few years, and then we uh, moved to Gainesville uh, my senior year, um, which I was not happy about, of course, moving up from my senior year, but I met my wife uh, my senior year, and so that was, ended up being a very good thing. Um, went to Buholtz High School, graduated from there, um, and then uh, I played basketball in high school. That was my sport. I played baseball growing up, basketball, um, and uh, just sort of limited it to basketball once I got into high school. So that was my my sport. Um, did not continue into college with basketball. I went to Santa Fe here in Gainesville for a couple of years uh, and then um, continued at the University of Florida, Go Gators, and, um, and graduated from there. And then did an internship, came full circle back at Santa Fe College in the athletics department there and uh, turned that into a job and then worked there for 12 years um, in the athletics department uh, before coming over to the FHSAA in May of 2018. So I had an opportunity, I had a, a job opening and um, applied for it and was hoping my college experience um, would would uh, translate and um you know, had an opportunity to work for Mr. Damon in the eligibility and compliance department um, for almost five years and just an amazing experience and an amazing boss and, and learned a lot um, and have an opportunity to come over here into athletics um, once once Mr. Damon um, took the big chair. And uh, it, it's it's I would say this job is more in line with what I did for 12 years at Santa Fe. Uh, I did eligibility and compliance there as well, did some eligibility stuff. Um, but this is probably over, you know, encompassing more of what I did um, for that 12 years at the college, um, which was a little bit of everything. And so it's it's been great. Um, I've been it's almost a year that I've that I've been in this position. So it's been a lot of learning. Um, like Jeremy said, it's 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 uh, we don't get to give the most fun um, information to people at times, 
but it keeps us, it kind of keeps us humbled and kind of keeps us uh, having to always look at the big picture and understanding. I think the experience, like, like Jeremy said, from playing gives us and, and from coaching and, and AD and all that kind of stuff gives us the perspective on um, the impact that it does have, the impact that the, either the penalties will have or anything like that, and, and making sure that we always keep that in mind. And it, it is it is tough. It's tough. Uh, it's not something we ever want to do, um, but we're, we're here to, uh, you know, enforce the, the the policies and bylaws. And so sometimes I think that gets lost on people at times, but believe me, it's not not what we'd like to be doing every day. But I, but I think our perspective is, has been born from a lot of experience um, going all the way back to high school and middle school playing. Um, I, I happened to go to a middle school that was FHSA, so I was able to play um, back when I was in middle school into a private school, uh, Northside Christian down in St. Pete. So I was able to, you know, start playing at a younger age in the FHSA. So, and at the time, you know, you don't really realize how much the FHSA does until I got here. And I was like, holy smokes, there, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So, um, but it, but it's been great. And and so it's, it's all led me to where I'm at and I'm, and I'm happy to be here and, and love what I do. Yeah. Well, you and I actually met, uh, through your role with compliance, uh, cause you were on the, the road team for those, um, uh, appeals those sectional right. appeals meetings with Craig and I was up there in section one so uh yep. yeah we'll we'll talk more about those uh meetings later on um I was going to ask you but you actually brought it up having been um a high school student athlete in Florida was did you have any awareness when you were in high school of FHSAA and you know well, who are those guys or what do they do or was it just not even on your radar so I do remember um, a couple times uh, when um, it wasn't this when I was it was not when it was when I think I was in middle school, maybe ninth grade or something like that. I remember um, hearing conversations about the FHSAA because a kid on the other team was too old. It was back during the old 199 days. And I remember hearing all that. Oh, we're going to call the FHSAA and this and that. So I remember talking to my dad about it and he kind of explained that's kind of like the NCAA, except for high school sports. And um, we did go to a couple of the state, we'd go to the basketball state championship. So that's where I got a little bit of a taste of what the FHSA does and puts on. Um, as you know, we put on those state championship events uh, along with our hosts, of course. Um, so that was about the only knowledge that I had of it, to be honest. Um, there, there wasn't a lot, which I guess is a good thing. Um, if you don't know a ton about it, it might might be a good thing. Um, and not knowing too much means you're probably not in too much trouble. So yeah. And again, having been um, an athletic director in Florida for a long time, um, the last thing that we want to see or hear from our coach is get that phone call or that text and say, you know, a uh, kid got ejected tonight or, you know, worse, the coach, you know, I got ejected tonight. Uh, and I know you folks in Gainesville, you're not just sitting at the phone waiting. Boy, I hope somebody got ejected so we can deal with it. Uh, it's, it's the last thing you want to see. Uh, as an administrator. Um, Scott, without naming any names or schools or even uh, geographic sections, um, what's one um, uh, appeals um, case that you can recall that uh, either from a, uh, boy, that was really good, because I know we have some good ones, some appeals that we do grant, like age things. They might have been one month over the age limit. But there's also some crazy things that you just ask yourself, seriously, you're appealing that. Can you share something with our listeners uh, from your experience uh, working on that end of sectional appeals? Sure. So I would say um, it's one of those situations where it's always nice to see when there's a positive result. 
Um, and sometimes that positive result may not always be that the student immediately gains eligibility, but there's typically some sort of a positive result that can come from it. But I always, I did always, and I think everybody, it's just human nature, um, you know, because they'd win their appeals sometimes and break down crying because it was, it was a big deal. They had it, they had a real hardship in their life. And that, you know, that's, that's what we're here for is there, there's hard, there are hardship appeals. And if that student had a hardship, something that was completely out of their control, um, you know, those are the situations and our appeals committees did a great job. Of course, you were a part of those, but did a great job. And some of them took 20 minutes. Some of them took an hour, hour and a half. And, and they always made sure that you remember. <laughs> um, and some of them were very long. Some of them, there was the news would be there. I remember some where we had uh, news and we had people outside waiting to get the result because um, it was a big time athlete. Um, and in a lot of a lot of situations with those are not necessarily age or anything like that. They may be, you know, an impermissible benefit or, um, you know, something of that nature that that, that maybe a, a marquee high profile athlete had gotten from a school or from a coach or something like that. I remember a few of those. And, you know, there was 10, 10 uh, news cameras waiting outside and people waiting outside and there may even be celebrities that get involved to try to help the kids. So uh, that that's rare. Um, but it, but it does happen. Um, we've had it happen a couple times, but, uh, you know, I think our, again, our appeals committees do, they have a tough job. They have a very tough job and none of them, nobody on the appeals committees are affiliated with our office. They're all, uh, you know, ADs or principals or superintendents, um, that have that unique perspective of being directly in a school right now. And so they, they know, um, the heartbeat of what's going on in schools and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, it, it was always, always great to see, especially, you know, they hug their mom or they hug their dad or grandma or whoever it may be that was, that was there with them. And you know, that they get to go, they, they may be going to get back on the field or court or pool or whatever it was that day in some instances. Um, Cause they're getting cleared right then. You can just see, they, they may come in with their head down, but they leave with their head high knowing that, um, you know, the school did a great job appealing for them. Um, they came in and spoke well on their behalf. And, and that always amazed me too. I try to think if I'm 15, 16, 17 years old and having to go in and, and um, on my own behalf speak in front of people that I don't know, that's extremely intimidating. And it's amazing how well uh, some of these kids do it. And again, it's it's not something we want to have to do, but there, there, there have to be rules. And and um, if there was a rules violation or a student was too old or or in their fifth year or something like that, but had a hardship, you know, it was really it was really amazing to see how well some of them spoke on their own behalf, being such a young age and not having that kind of experience. Um, and just how they were able to really just from their heart, you know, tell you what's going on and and um, and speak so eloquently that, that that was always a nice thing to see. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And it just brought back a lot of memories of uh, some of those appeals that, uh, you know, we, we we sat on that did turn out in a positive way. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Craig and FHSA. Uh, several years ago, Craig actually suggested uh, to me that we create a workshop for our FIAAA conference uh, on, and the, the title turned out to be do's and don'ts of an FHSA appeal. And uh, I was able to put that together with a couple of other great ADs, Ron Allen and Pam Lancaster. Uh, and uh, they, they still roll that out every couple of years. And I, I think it's been really helpful to uh, our athletic directors on, you, you'd never want to be in that position, but if you are, okay, Here's some things that you need to do. Uh, and we would say, give the committee reasons to say yes. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, Don't come in there combatively, you know, but give them reasons. Have your documentation, have your forms. Uh, give them a reason to say yes, to grant that appeal. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's been, uh, you know, positive for you guys as well. Mm -hmm. 
It, it has been. And, and, you know, we, as you know, we a hundred percent believe in due process and every layer of due process and want to make sure that every student um, administrator, coach, whoever it may be, gets their full due process. Um, and we, again, we have many layers of it there, but um, I think stuff like that, the do's and don'ts have been huge. I mean, you, you can tell the difference when people come in um, and it's not like they're coming in just making stuff up, but they have their ducks in a row. They have all their paperwork in a row. They they have their they have everything that they're going to say. It's all laid out, and they're and they're able to um, move through with it. This year at FI AAA, um, I was actually able to with Ryan James from Escambia High School was able to um, give a presentation with him. He did majority of the work. Um, I I can't take credit for that. Um, I was just there and spoke a little bit, but um, on the other side of it, the appeals for suspensions, um, like Jeremy was talking with our corrective action team. So it was an opportunity to get in front of some ADs and tell them kind of some do's and don'ts of that. Um, here's how to approach that. Here's how we want to work together with the schools. Mr. Damon's philosophy is that we want to have relationships and we want to build those relationships with our schools. It's not us versus them. It is all of us together. The officials, us, the kids, the coaches, we're all working towards one common goal, and that's to progress these kids through school and to give them as many possible opportunities as we can. And so I think that was another great opportunity um, to get in front of the ADs and kind of tell them like, hey, we're not trying to tell you how to you know, work the system or anything. But here's here's how you can work with us to help at the end of the day to benefit this kid so that we never see their name come up again. They had that one, like Jeremy said, they had that one heat of the moment where they said something they shouldn't have or did something that, that doesn't define who they are as a person in any way, shape or form. And so for the school and the FHSA to work together to better that student and then we never see them again and they go on to big things, that's what our expectation is and that's what we want to work towards. No, and great, great points. You know, that partnership, that relationship. We always talk about building relationships. You know, it's not us against them. Great stuff. For listeners, uh, we're visiting today with Scott Jamison and Jeremy Hernandez uh, from the Florida High School Athletic Association. We're going to take a quick break. It's going to be very quick because we are coming right back. Uh, this is the Educational AD Podcast. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Scott, um, uh, your role has changed uh, over the years, you know, at FHSAA, um, looking at uh, things globally. And again, for our listeners, we're recording this on May 30th. So it's going to be pretty timely as you listen. State championships are over, um, you know, hopefully some downtime and then start planning for the fall events. Uh, moving forward, let's say in the next year or even five years. What do you see as, you know, some of the challenges? Uh, what do you see as some of the good things about high school athletics and, and how the FHSA can help impact that in, in Florida? Sure. Um, so, you know, one of the good things, I think, um, and I know it's been a mission of the FHSA forever, but I think one of the good things that Mr. Damon has wanted to do is he, he's wanted to um, make the FHSA more approachable. Um, to where everybody in our office is approachable. We're out at events. We're able to see, <clears throat> excuse me, see things that are going on, see how our schools are doing. Uh, I take, I try to take my boys out to some games here and we'll go down to Ocala and go to some games and, and really, you know, try to be not just over here in our building and then we go home, building home. We want to really make sure that we're understanding. I know Jeremy's been to some events in Jacksonville for flag football and some other places for events. So really trying to get out there. And I think, it's important over the next few years that people do understand that we're here to help. And I think what happens is a lot of the issues that come up, what we hear is 
that they're new and they didn't know. We just, we just were new. They threw us into this position. We didn't have anybody to show us how to do it. I've heard that a lot of times. So I think, you know, what, what we want to work on, especially from our area and, and in conjunction with the rest of the office is trying to educate a little bit more. And, and a podcast like this is so important um, in these types of things. And I think people don't even don't understand until maybe they watch it and go, oh man, I just, I learned more from that than I did from two weeks on the job um, is that there, we are here to be a resource. We are here to um, provide as much information as we can. We always want to try to tackle stuff on the front end as opposed to tackling it on the back end. So I think over the next few years, making people aware of that, not making them to where they're not. I know there's some ADs that have been here for a while that maybe they're afraid to call the FHSA. Um, I know in, in the past, um, years and years ago, it, it maybe wasn't as approachable as it is now. Um, but but we really want to be approachable. We really want to try to um, continue to lead over these next few years and and, and lead by example. Um, and when that comes down to, and, and Jeremy will get into it a little bit more, but you know, I'd say the biggest thing that has to change, and and it has to, and I don't know how it's going to, is the lack of sportsmanship right now. It is it is, it's tough to see. Um, we witness it almost every single place we go. Uh, I know Jeremy, will, again, Jeremy will get into more of that from the official standpoint too, because they're having the same issues. Um, but, but it's tough. Uh, nobody wants to take accountability for anything they do anymore. Um, and uh, I shouldn't say nobody, there are people that do, and there are people that, that, that understand. Um, obviously that that's, that's probably not the right word to use, but um, I think going into the future, we, we've got to find a way to, and I know it's been a problem forever, but find a way to, to find what, you know, what we're all about in high school sports and, and, and really get down to what we're here for. And I think sometimes that gets lost. And I know with all the NIL stuff now out there and all the different things, the, the idea of amateur sports is kind of going away. Um, it's still here in Florida, um, but it, it's kind of going away. And so with, with, with everything else that goes on, um, I think trying to find a way to get back to that and understanding what we're really here for and what we're really trying to do um, is going to be really important into the future. And I think that, you know, that, that that's something that's on us and it's on the schools and that comes back to everybody working together to try to find that common balance. Yeah, um, we're going to get into the whole sportsmanship officials thing with Jeremy, because that's kind of, uh, you know, his account. Um what since you've been with FHSAA now, I guess uh, I'll do the math here about five, six years. Um, I, I know that you do the um, um, compliance seminars with the schools and the athletic directors every three years. Uh, and I know in the past few years, there's been a little bit more attention paid. And this is not a, a, a negative thing, but it, it's getting better. Uh, there's been a little more attention paid to the new athletic director um what are some things that you've seen in your time with fhsaa that have been put in place to help that first time first year second year athletic director anything jump out at you sure so for instance this year um the eligibility compliance department went from two compliance seminars to four um, we're adding more opportunities um, for new ADs to come. If they want to come twice, they can come twice. Um, but we're going to be doing four different compliance seminars and trying to focus on um, having some some areas and some discussion that does goes towards those um, first year athletic directors. I think FIAAA does a really good job um, with first year ADs and really getting them involved in um, having different sessions. And I think the F I think we are trying to sort of mirror some of that. We want to try to work with some of that and try to um understand that 
And, and, and the thing is they change mid-year. So that's where we have to try to figure out how can we do something. I know there used to be, um, there used to be a compliance seminar that took place in January. We've talked about bringing something similar to that back and having an opportunity for, Hey, if you're new at the, at the semester break and you just came in and you got thrown into the athletic director seat and you have no idea what's going on, here's some resources for you. Um, and we do have resources on our home campus that we've been slowly accumulating or quickly in some instances um, that there's tons of information there. Um, and we, we would always offer our, our services to have a Zoom or come in person um, last year. Uh, Palm Beach County for one. Um, St. John's County is another one. We went and met with uh, myself, Chanel Young from our office, Jordan Stark. We all went and met with the ADs. Palm Beach, I think, had 13 new athletic directors last year in their county. Um, and so Miss um, Valmiaris invited us down there. We drove down. We gave a presentation. We, we, we tried to get as much as we could done for those first year ADs. And again, same thing in St. John's. We were meeting with the, the um, experienced ADs as well as the new ADs and kind of going over some of that stuff. So that is always an option. We are always available to travel and, and, and come to your county and, and um, or if you're a private school, um, come to your school and talk to the new AD or coaches or anything like that. So we're working towards some stuff. Um, we're going to try to get more and more resources. Like I said, we do have some some slides, some slideshows and resources on our uh, file library on home campus that our ADs can find um, when they log into home campus over on the left, they'll see file library. You can uh, scroll down to general eligibility resources, general athletic resources, and there's lots of different resources there, especially for first year ADs that they'll probably be overwhelmed at first, but as they sort of pick through it, they'll be very, very happy that they did because I think it would solve a lot of problems for them just, just, just by going to there, just by going there. Again, we all know that getting that new athletic director through that first year and getting them to come back for year two, you know, that that's kind of the, the yardstick. If we can get them back that second year and, keep them going that third year, then we might have them for a long time and, and not have to have a, a brand new AD that next year. Jeremy, let's go and hop over to you again. Um, you're in charge of officials for the entire state of Florida for all sports. Um, I'm going to let you decide first. Uh, do you want to talk about, you know, the challenge with, you know, finding the next generation of officials? Do you want to talk about sportsmanship? Um um, I'll go ahead and share this. Uh, as you know, I was down in the Venice area after I retired um, and I was refereeing high school basketball games down there more than once. And at that point, I was only 63 years old. Many times I was the youngest guy on a three man crew. So, uh, uh, again, we do need to order order. We need to uh, <laughs> sign up some new officials. But, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, share with our listeners some of your thoughts about the state of officiating and uh, sportsmanship and maybe uh, what can we do to make it better? Yeah, let's go ahead. And we'll just stick on the topic with sportsmanship because I think that plays into everything else that we're experiencing with officials. Um Scott and I, over the last, I don't know, probably three, four months, um, have already received a number of phone calls from officials who have just called to vent, not necessarily to complain, not necessarily to um, moan or groan or anything like that, just as a, to get stuff off their chest. Um, and, and it, five, Maybe when I first got there, it was more of, we need more money. We need more money. Um, we're not going to officiate until we give them more more money. That was kind of the theme behind them not officiating. 
However, now, like I said, over the last three or four months, um, Scott and I have received either phone calls or emails of individuals saying there's not an amount of money that you can pay pay me to go back out on the field because of sportsmanship. It has gotten so bad that them, I don't say volunteering their time because they are getting paid, going out to, again, assist and make sure games are being played throughout the season, um, making sure student athletes like we all were at one point in time get to play in that experience of high school games and the camaraderie between uh, your teammates, the sisterhood, the brotherhood, those things are experienced. Um, and, and they're going out to make sure that that continues. And unfortunately, we're to a point where the sportsmanship between fans and players and coaches, and I'll even throw this in because we're hearing it too, it's behavior of officials to officials. Uh, so I don't want it to sound like it's just the outside people because we also hear that it's um, amongst themselves is just getting to a point where we have individuals who are, like you say, to that age where they're like, why are we doing this anymore? I can go enjoy retirement uh, with my wife, with my spouse, significant other, whoever it may be, and, and not have to worry about getting screamed out for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending on what sport they are for 60, 70, 80 bucks for the game. We say, wow, you're making that much, but I, I mean, I know myself, I wouldn't want to go to the FHSA office if Craig's going to cr go and scream and Scott's going to go and scream and holler at me for two hours for 80 bucks for the two or three hours that I'm there. So um, we completely understand where they're coming from. We know something has to change. Um, we, respect, we respect their decision while we don't want to see them leaving. And we know it's going to make it harder for um, our signers who who are having to fill in those games and how are we going to make ends meet with the officials that we do have compared to the number of games that we have. Um, another challenge, obviously, is the growth of Florida. I mean, Florida is continuing to grow. We have number of new schools that are opening this year. And while our numbers are kind of rising from COVID, they're not rising fast enough to keep up with those new schools. So, you I mean, you figure new school opens, you're going to need another set of five to seven football officials just for that one school for a Friday night game. Another set of three or two for basketball games. And we're not getting that amount um, to sign up as fast as schools are being built. Um, and, and like you say, that new generation, um, they see it. They're out there at those games. Why? Why don't want to go put myself through that? Um, and, and so that that's the biggest struggle. And it's not just here in Florida. Uh, NASO, who who is a national um, sports officials governing body, they're doing several surveys over the last few years, and, and it's kind of their surveys are showing that as well. It, it's not necessarily about the pay anymore. It's about the fear of being attacked. Um, being hollered night in, night out um, when they're trying to do something positive for their community, um, for those student athletes. So um, those are the the struggles and, and the concerns that that we have right now from from our office. And and just to I'll just I'll just tack onto that real quick, just just real quick because I just like Jeremy said, 
you know, we've talked to officials that, um, and, and specifically people have probably heard me talk about him, but he said, he, I've been doing this for 23 years. I think he was in his mid forties. I've been doing this since he was 20 on 23. He said, I can't do it. You can pay me 400 bucks a game. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, he had turned down playoff assignments. He said, I, I, I can't, I can't even go. I can't deal with it anymore. It's just, and it's not that every official we talk to says, listen, we understand there's going to be chirping. They're going to be yelling at us. We get that. Fans are going to, it's always been like that. We, we understand you're going to take some sort of verbal abuse during the games and we don't expect everybody to be quiet the whole game. It's the other stuff. It's following them to the parking lot. It's the administrators and ADs screaming at the officials. And then that's the person you're supposed to have walk you to your car or walk you to the locker room. And they were just, being extremely blown. I mean, we've had, we've had um, stuff come in this year about, Hey, the AD or the vice principal or the principal was screaming at us the whole game. They wouldn't walk us to our cars. They wouldn't. And we had parents following us. That's the kind of stuff. I mean, you see it in the news, uh, baseball umpire, uh, a fan ran out, punched him in the back of the head and knocked him out during a game. Um, that's where the 80 bucks is. Am I really going to go out there uh, and then you have, I mean, I have, I have uh, people that I know that from when I worked my days at Santa Fe that, you know, they'll get on Facebook or, or wherever and complain about the officials. And then I'll see other people posting pictures of the officials. This is the guy that blew the game for us. And it's just not what they want to see. And I always tell them, Hey, we have openings. Why don't you come officiate? Oh, heck no, I'm not going to go do that. Well, because of people like you, you don't want to go out and officiate. And so I think that's where it's, I just, I, it, it's, a, it's a frustrating topic for us because it's, it's so avoidable. Um, and, and, uh, it just seems like it, it's avoidable, but it continues to happen. And it's at an alarming rate, the physical, the physicality with the officials and touching officials and pushing, um, and just, and the overboard, I mean, not, not just language, but just in, in basically threatening language has, just skyrocketed, um, especially this year. I mean, our ejections were up 20%, I think, this year, and our level twos and threes, which are like threes are contact with officials or something worse, we're up like 50% this year um, from last year. 50% on level threes, which is which is the highest level. So it's it, it, we're, we're headed in the wrong direction, and, and I think it's something we can fix, but we're going to have to – people are going to have to work at it. It's going to be something we're all going to have to work together on. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, um I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit, uh, you know, and full disclosure, uh, years ago when I was a head football coach, I wasn't the greatest example of uh, coaching my kids. And that's what I would tell our, our coaches. You know, I hired you to coach the kids. If you're chirping at the refs, who's coaching the kids, you know, shut up and coach the kids. Uh, and it, it was never, you know, anything extreme, but again, I was not the best example that we would want. I would want my coaches to be, I would have talked to myself if I was my AD. Um, I firmly believe, and, and again, one more thing in my 20 years in Florida, 20 plus, uh, I was at two different schools. We won the sportsmanship award and I tell our coaches, our kids, our parents, it's the only award that is a cash reward. Okay. You know, it's big <laughs> money when you win that. Um, uh, and so I've also had situations. I never had a coach ejected, but, uh, we had some kids that, you know, they're stupid kids. They do stupid things uh, that they got ejected. So I'm not, um, you know, um, you know, holier than thou. Having said all that, I firmly believe the number one um, factor in how kids, fans, parents, et cetera, respond 
when you get that call, and let's go and choose basketball because I ref basketball. There's going to be some bad calls. Okay. Mm-hmm. The number one factor in how everybody perceives that call is the head coach's reaction. Does he stomp or she and scream and gesture and just throw a fit? Or does that coach say, all right, let's get back on defense. Let's set up our offense, you know, whatever it is. Do they just keep on coaching? Do they stay in their lane and not incite the crowd to more, you know, vitriol? Okay. Well, gosh, the coach didn't think it was a bad call. and Maybe it wasn't. Okay. And the number one factor in how that coach responds is the athletic director. Um, I didn't invent this phrase, but I've stolen it and used it for 20 plus years. I know I got it sometime when I came to Florida. Everything you see at my school, at your school, at somebody else's school, everything you see, it's either coached or it's allowed. Now, which one is it? Okay. AD, is that how you coach your coaches to behave or do you allow them to do that way? Uh, you guys knew me when I was at McClay and I was mm-hmm. so very fortunate. We had great coaches at McClay. Uh, they either already believe that or they bought into what I was sharing and we didn't have issues with our coaches. Okay. They did a great job and our coach and our kids did too. But where is that line in the sand for you as an AD, AD and coach you're listening right now. Where's that line in the sand? You know, is it, um, you know, Hey ref, you missed that. Hey, that was a travel. No, come on. That's a foul. No, you got to call it both ways. You're killing us in there or take it to the next 17 extremes on that. Okay. Coach your kids, stay in your lane. That's a popular expression now. Okay. Stay in your lane. Okay. Let the, let the players play, let the coaches coach. You know, we, we say that before all our events, but are the athletic directors and are the head coaches really embracing that? You know, so there's my, uh, or one of my solutions to uh, the sportsmanship problem. Uh, a parent or administrator or a fan or a kid, you know, crosses that line, okay? And you guys know what that line is, okay? There need to be consequences. Is that who they are? No, but at that moment, that's who they were. And yes, that has consequences. So uh, I'll shut up for a second. You know, Jeremy, what do you think? Scott, what do you think? <laughs> I think that's a great advice in from an AD, new AD, returning AD, a veteran AD, is just let them know what that line is. Um, make it known. And, and at the end of the day, we understand things are going to happen. Like Scott said, there's going to be turbulent. Officials know that. They get that. That's part of what it is. It's the excessive. And um, and I can't speak prior to, to myself being at the FGSA and, and how it was. Um but if there's questionable calls, and I think communication has been a big aspect of, of what uh, Craig has brought on to um, our staff uh, from his time already, let us know. Let your association know. And I think I know we're going to do best practices here probably later on, but um, I'll, I'll speak on it a little bit now. I would say that's probably one of the biggest best practices for an athletic director is know who your association leaders are, communicate with them, have an open line of communication. And then that way, if they know they're, uh, they're getting a call from uh, myself as an AD, whether it's good or bad, they get, they're going to know it's legit. You're not just calling to complain over and over and over you're going to call whether it's good or bad. Let's give them the positive, give them the negative. 
open that line of communication from the start of uh, of the season. As soon as you're hired on for, for the newbies who are watching this, find out who that is. Let them know, hey, I'm the new athletic director. Look forward to working with you. Please call, um, email me anytime, concerns, issues like that. Communication, I believe, would also solve a lot of these issues because, like you said, we've said earlier, the perception is it's everybody's against everybody. And it shouldn't be officials against the schools, the schools against us, officials against us, because we're all in it for the same reason as the student athletes. Um, so you open that line of communication from the start um, and let them know, hey, if we have issues where we think something was blown, is it okay if we send you video clip of it? Can we open that up? Even if it's an away school, obviously you may not have that association's contact information, send an email to myself, send it to Scott, send it to the sport director um, for that sport that, that it's in and send us the video and, and a detail of um, what the issue, concern, clarification that you want. And we can get that to the association to say, hey, coaches had a couple questions. Can you please provide us clarification from the crew after they review the video? Um, and, and we're willing to do that. We're open to do that. Uh, I, I think that is another piece that is lost a little bit um, with high school uh, officials. A lot of them, I don't want to say that the, I don't want this to come off as a bad way, but officiating at the high school level is a hobby to some of them. They already have a nine to five, an eight to four full-time job. Um, and so they don't get that necessarily that study time that an NCAA official would get or a professional official or get where that's their only job and they can do film study um, eight, 10 hours a day. They get a few uh, clips here and there on the way to the game, on a night off, things like that on the weekend. Uh, I know Jake, you can probably um, speak to this. I mean, as a basketball official, you have your meetings, you have your trainings and, and you're doing things like that throughout the season in the off season, doing club sports, trying to get as much on field or on court um, work as you can. Um, so not to knock and say that just because it's a hobby, these officials aren't training and doing things to get better. Cause at the end of the day, the last thing any of our officials want to be is wrong. They're probably the hardest critic on themselves than anybody else, whether it's the FHA, whether it's the coach, um, a, a student athlete, a parent. Um, they want to get it. They want to get every call right. And, and when they do mess up a call, that one call is going to beat them up the rest of the night. Um, they're going to be thinking about that on their drive home the next day until they're able to um, make sure in a future call that they get it right the next time. Absolutely. Um, so, so communication, and I would say it, it is probably another factor that would probably help with it. And, and um, I, again, I would urge you that, that when you are a, a, a new AD, please reach out to your association um, right away within that first week, probably let them know that there's been a change um, with the system that we use for assigning Arbiter. If they're not aware of the change, they're going to be sending the emails and everything to that previous individual um, and not knowing that there has been a change. So uh, please reach out to them. If you have any questions, who it might be um, in your area, reach out to myself, Scott. Um, we have that information and we we will we would not hide it. We, we will definitely get that information uh, to you on who to contact. Um, there may be two or three. We wouldn't know who that contract necessarily was with. 
Um, so depending on what area you're you are in, uh, it may be a different couple uh, different couple association, but we would get you that information. Yeah, and, and yeah, let me go and jump in here real quick. Yeah, yeah. you you brought up a great point, and and uh, it's great because I actually did it as an AD. I would email our assigner after every game, uh, and we would have boys games, girls games, middle school, and I would simply say, uh, officials arrived. Uh, you know, very professional. You know, great crew, a lot of communication. Sometimes it wasn't always true, but um, I let them know. And so when the rare, rare occasion I needed to, you know, pick a nit about an official, I had some credibility. And most of the time it wasn't with a varsity official. It was with a middle school official who was right out of the chute. And I would try to talk to them at halftime. You know, hey, I'm an official. I get it. Just please just blow your whistle, call anything, call it against us, but please blow your whistle. Let our parents know that you're actually watching the game and just, you know, try to work with them. But yeah, communicate with that association. It's so critical. Officials love to come to McClay because um, our, our school, our coaches, our fans, they treated them with respect. And I, I think that's my other soapbox. I just think there's a generation of coaches, maybe not this generation, maybe it was my generation, they didn't respect officials uh, as a profession or even individually. And again, that kind of goes back to what I said. You need to stay in your lane. Okay. If, if you think you can do better, put the clipboard away, pick up a whistle and, and start calling games. So Scott, I cut you off there. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I was just going to say, I think, I, I think people need to understand as well. And there's, there's maybe a misconception out there that we don't hold officials accountable, but we most certainly do. Um, we we hold officials accountable in, in many different ways, whether it's suspensions or fines. We don't like to do it. Um, but again, just like our athletes and our coaches and administrators, there's a certain standard that needs to be met. And I think it's important. And our officials get this. And like Jeremy said, they beat themselves up way more than anybody else does when it comes to um, when they if they make a bad call or, uh, you know, a situation gets out of hand that maybe they could have done something about in their mind. Um, but. I think it's important that our officials understand and, and that our team understand and our, our schools understand we do, we do hold them accountable because um, we get it. These teams are, are practicing 10, 12 hours a week sometimes. I mean, they're pouring their heart, soul, blood, sweat, tears into this. The coaches are getting up at 6 a.m. on Saturday to do film study after their Friday night game or they're staying until two in the morning. Um, and the officials are, you know, coming to the game and then leaving and they don't have all that stress of everything else. So I do think our officials do understand that. And I hope they understand that, um, that, you know, the emotions are always going to be a little bit higher. That's why they, they do get that. There's going to be a little bit of, of chirping and stuff because there's so much that is put in from these students and so much effort and so much time that's put in. Um, and, uh, I'd say 90, 90, 95% of our officials understand that. And they're also trying to give that exact same effort. So like Jeremy said, if you have an official that they're not running up and down the court, they're not doing what they need to do. They're out of position and they don't care, or they, you know, mouth off back to a coach who's just trying to get them to, you know, under, Hey, all, all we want to see is some effort. Cause we would expect, hey, let us know about that. Um, Cause we would absolutely want to know about that. Um, Cause there's too much hard work that's put in by these kids and these coaches um, to not have officials that are given the same, um, effort. And like I said, I think 95 to or more percent argue in that effort. But um, of course, human beings, there, there's going to be some, but um, please let us know. And, and that way we can, we can make sure it doesn't happen again, because the kids deserve um, as, as good of an official as we can get. They're not always going to all be the best. Um, we have thousands of officials. You're not going to have thousands that are just, that are all NBA level or NFL level, but 
um, you know, they're out there doing their best in the same way. So just, just want to make sure that that, that, that we do hold, we do hold our officials accountable. And I think, again, I get that all the time. Well, you guys do nothing to the official. That's not true. We just don't advertise it or broadcast it, but, but we most certainly do. And, right. and another a... piece, another oh, ahead, piece of the communication, since we are in this technology world and the digital world is if you have huddle, let your association know, invite one of them as, as uh, once a player or a contact in your huddle account and send them film, film on a regular basis. Um, they would love to have additional training material and video uh, to watch, um, break down things. Hey, were we out of positioning here? What can we do on this and things like that. So um, if your school is lucky enough to have huddle, whether it's through a football account or basketball account, whichever it may be, um, invite them in to, to have that. Uh, again, we, we know film is, is kind of touchy and it might be, oh, well, you're just trying to get it for uh, other teams and things like that. Our officials are out there to work the game at hand that they're assigned. At the end of the day, their concern on who wins or who loses is not even in question. Um, so if there's anything that you can help with and get them to, to train a little bit more or have a little bit more of that for the training, I would again, encourage uh, a huddle subscription uh, invite um, as a contact or as a player. I'm not sure what the verbiage is now in huddle, um, but if they can have access to that, um, I, I, they would greatly appreciate that. And, and again, it would go to them being able to train and look at situations even more uh, as a group. No, it's a great point. And the associations that I've been a member of as a basketball official in Florida, they had access to, I would say, almost every school's huddle account just for that reason uh, to help them get better. And there's, there's no better uh, training tool uh, besides being out there than being able to watch yourself uh, on video and watch the call, uh, watch the movement. Very good stuff. Um, Jeremy, I want to thank you for uh, going ahead in our agenda. You hit the next point right on with our uh, sharing best practices. And that certainly was one reaching out to the officials association. Scott, i uh, going to put you on the spot now from your perspective. And again, our listeners are primarily athletic directors. What uh, what's one or maybe two best practices that you have seen that you think uh, any athletic director could benefit from? Sure. So I think one main one, and, and I, I continuously have seen it over and over since I've been here over the last five plus years, um, is the lack of communication between athletic directors. Um, it seems as though sometimes athletic directors are afraid to call each other because maybe they don't have a good relationship, quote unquote, or their rival schools. You cannot be afraid to have that communication and relationship with the schools in your area, the schools in your district. Reach out, talk to them. If there's a problem, call them. A lot of times they call us first when it's something that a very easy conversation between athletic directors. And that's how you earn the respect, too. Um, and so when you have issues come up later, not, you, you may become friends or you may have that relationship where you can just call and bounce stuff off of each other. Um, it, it's amazing how many times, I, you know, I'll say, hey, well, did you give the school a call? No, I haven't called the school. Why haven't you called the school yet? Well, we don't really get along. 
Well, th this is not a situation, you know, you have, we have to be adults and we have to be professionals. And I think that that is, that is a main thing that I would say is um, communicate with other ADs, call them first about stuff, um, be upfront with them. If there's something uh, you may be able to solve, you'd probably be able to solve way more problems than you think you can solve just by calling other athletic directors. Uh, you're all in the same profession. You're all getting up every morning and do the same thing, which is to help kids. And so at the end of the day, if that's what your mission is, when you, if you, if you both have that same mission, then those phone calls should be always beneficial. So I would say that that's a big one. That's one that I hear all the time is no, we didn't call them. We, we don't have a good relationship. Well, that you don't have a good relationship probably because the only time you've ever seen each other is when you have your rivalry football game and you may not like each other on that Friday night. Um, but the other 364 days of the year, you, you've got to be able to coexist. And um, so I think that would be a, a really important best practice. And then I think the other one is um, really getting into um, the, the handbook. There, there's a lot, and I know it can be boring at times to say, I'm just going to read the handbook, but there's so many times that we have ADs who have even, they've been there five or 10 years and you, you can tell from talking to them, they've probably never gotten into the handbook, getting into home campus, spending some time, really getting into the guts of stuff, um, that file library, that book, and really trying to learn as much as possible. And then calling, writing down questions you have, and then calling our office. We, we have people here again, we are approachable here. We will answer your questions. There are no stupid questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to fail, um, but fail on the front end. And then we can help you work through that without there being any sort of issue. So those, those, I think those are the two um, that, that uh, best practices that I would say is communicate with other ADs um, and use the resources that you have. It's just so often that um, there, there, there are resources. Maybe I still feel like we should have more and we're working on that but so many times the resources that are there are not used. So th those would be the two that I have. Well, you're so very true. It's so easy to pick up that phone call or phone and call the FHSAA. Uh, it's not as easy to call that school and that AD right down the road, but the benefits from doing that, uh, again, we talk about building credibility, you know, no better way to do it. Uh, Scott and Jeremy, this has been so cool having you guys on share a little bit about the FHSAA and, and the things that you do, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Now, neither of you are a school-based AD, but you certainly know your way around the world of high school athletics. So uh, right now, I'm going to challenge each of you, and Scott, I think we'll just stay with you, uh, to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three items in their toolbox. So Scott Jameson, what three things are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? Okay, so I'll have one that I think, again, I, I, uh, I'm i trying to see if I have it handy right here. Mine's a little beat up, but um, I would say the handbook would be one. I know it's kind of been, my, mine has been through a year. It's it's uh, every year about this time, it starts to get beat up because I'm in it so much. But I would say that would be one. I know it's, it, that seems um, kind of a cop out to put that in there, but I think it gets lost sometimes. People don't even realize that we have one. We have new ADs that don't get one. The old AD misplaced it. They don't even know that it exists. So I think that's a really um, important one. I would say uh, the second one that I would put in their toolbox would be empathy. Um, and that may sound a little strange too, but I think being empathetic and having empathy towards people's situations while also at the same time being, a, being able to be a leader and give that hard information you have to have. But I think at the, at, at the, at the back, you always have to have empathy. And I think that's um, very important. 
And then the third one, I want to say duct tape because duct tape can, can fix everything. But I will say um, you, you have to be able to communicate. And I know we, we that's probably been the, the, the topic of this, but you have to be willing to communicate and you have to have those skills. And those are learned skills in a lot of instances. Communication, some people are really good at it. Some people you can just call up and have a conversation or they can come talk to you and they're they just charismatic as can be. Some people have to work at it a little bit more. Some people have to learn um, how to communicate. And the only way to do that is by communicating and learning the do's and don'ts of it. And, and, and you know, maybe taking some courses on it. I know there's some um, athletic directing courses, um, CMA, CMA, CMAA stuff that you can take um, to learn how to communicate, but not being afraid to pick that phone up or talk to people in person. And um, so I, I'd say those would be my three just off the top of my head. Uh, I love the handbook. And uh, I, again, I've been an AD in Florida. Or I was an AD for over 20 years. Um, if you know that handbook, and you're not going to know it by heart, but if you know where to find something, you become a much better athletic director for your coaches, for your student athletes, for your parents. Okay. You know, now you can help them grow in their role uh whether it's student athlete or coach so yeah love that okay love it and the duct tape that would have been a great tool too okay all right jeremy uh did scott take all of your great ideas or uh do you have some different tools to send out uh, a brand new ad with I'll, I'll throw in a couple extra um i'll stay on the same with the the handbook um but coming from the officials world i would throw in the officials guidebook uh, I think uh, there are times where our ADs don't know what associations are supposed to be charging them or how much they can be charged uh, for officials fees uh, per official. And then once they've signed that contract with the association, we get a call in the middle of the season after the season. Hey, how come I was getting charged $200 for a basketball game? Did did you sign a contract? Uh, did you know there's uh, fees that they're allowed to charge? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? And so, uh, <laughs> and then with a signed contract, we're tasked with having to do something about a signed contract. Um, so from my end, that's one I would put in. And then grace, um, give yourself grace. Um, you're going to get thrown a of information in such a short amount of time and overlooking things um it, it's probably going to happen and give yourself grace and forgiveness that um that that's going to happen um don't beat yourself up over it the next you can just move on and and try to make sure it doesn't happen for the betterment of the student athlete or whatever situation that is the coach um but but give yourself grace and, and the ability to learn and um, move forward with the job and not just stop after a year. Uh, I this is kind of going off a tangent, but we've kind of got a three year thing for officials. If we can get them to that third year, um, it seems like we can keep them for a while. Similar to how you said, if we can keep that AD for that first year, we can usually keep them for for a while as well. So. Um, give yourself grace and, and um, again, like Scott said, lean on, lean on the individuals who have been there for a while or um, ask, call for questions, call us, um, but it, it'll probably be rough for, for a while. 
Um, but know that we're there to support you. You have individuals like Jake out there that that are there for you to reach out to as well. So um, don't 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 beat yourself up uh, too much. Also, get a really comfortable pair of shoes. <laughs> You're not going to probably be sitting at your desk very often. We have moving around, so make sure you have a comfortable pair of shoes. I just bought my first pair of, uh, is it Hoka's, uh, H-O-K-A? I love oh, really? them. Yeah. Boy, two thumbs up for anybody listening. Uh, best shoes nice. I've ever had. Jeremy Hernandez and Scott Jamison, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. We should have done this earlier, so shame on me. Uh, Jeremy, we'll start with you. If one of our listeners wants to reach out and connect with you, um, what's the best way that they can do that? My email is jhernandez at fhsaa.org, or my office is uh, 352-372-9551, extension 300. Okay. And Scott, same question. How do our listeners connect with you? Absolutely. So my email address is sjameson, that's uh, J-A-M-I-S-O-N, just jameson with an I at fhsaa. Dot org and then same number 352-372-9551 extension 180 and we'd be happy to talk to you at any point and uh, i encourage everyone especially our florida listeners go to the fhsa website and there's a link on that that says how to become an official okay follow that process join the ranks of uh, officials uh, you know, continue to uh, be a part of uh, educational-based athletics. Jeremy and Scott, thanks again. All the best uh, moving forward, and uh, hopefully you get some downtime now that summer's here. Thank you, Jake. Really appreciate you having us. It was an honor. Thank you. Hmm? Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. For our listeners, we do this just about every day, and we upload the Zoom videos to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Come back next time for... Uh, more great best practices and just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. Before we go, we do want to acknowledge our great sponsors. Um, Home Campus is the um, information management platform for the FHSAA. I used it as an athletic director and the platform and the people at Home Campus just great to work with. So go to home-campus.com, find out all the things that they can do for you. Uh, you know, Jeremy mentioned uh, using Huddle, uh, Huddle video. I've used Huddle uh, for years as a football coach and as an AD. Highly recommend their product. Your coaches will love it. Your kids will love it. Not just football, for all sports. Go to huddle.com. Uh, we also want to talk um, uh, about the great job athletic surveys can do for you. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them create a custom survey for you and your school and let you take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. We want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school records or your Hall of Fame or to just tell the stories of your school, um, student athletes, teams, coaches, both past and present, VitalSignsWallOfFame.com is the best way to do it. Mention you heard it on the podcast. They'll give you a nice little discount. That's Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Want to say thanks to Gipper. If you're not uh, promoting your athletes, your teams, your coaches, your program with social media, you're really missing out. And Gipper can show you how to do that. Go to Gipper.com 
start creating world-class content for your school's social media channel. Sideline Interactive makes indoor video scoring tables and indoor video boards. They also make scoreboards. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made. Uh, go to sidelineinteractive.com. You can schedule a live web demo to see their tables and their boards in action. That's sidelineinteractive.com. District 1 is one of our newest sponsors. That's District W-O-N. And you're going to feel like you've won because of the great uniforms they can provide for you. Uh, 20 days or less shipping, and you can order one or two pieces. You never have to order a full set of uniforms uh, when you only need one or two replacement pieces. Go to district1won.com. I want to say thanks to Snap Mobile and their entire suite of platforms, including Snap Raise, their fundraising platform. Does anybody else give you your money before you started your fundraiser? I don't think so. Go to snapraise.com, snapraise.com. And finally, Hometown Ticketing. Simple and easy online ticketing. They're the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. Check them out today. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.